Hi there, this is Clark Terry here, reminding you to pull your bearskins a little closer to the fire. That's it. <laughs> now you're talking to me. Ah, watch out for those snapping sparks. Everybody cozy? Now the good news is that you're in time for the humble farmer. You've worked hard all day, and you deserve to relax now. So stay right there and listen to the best of this kind of music. Django here on The Humble Farmer. Thank you for listening. We read about a girl who went off the road due to snowy conditions. <laughs> no, please don't laugh. That's what it said in the police report. She went off the road due to snowy road conditions. 
in sixty-two years, in sixty-two years of driving, I have never gone off the road due to snowy road conditions. But I've probably gone off the road several times because I was driving too fast. Bix on the Humble Farmer. Thank you for listening. Sit right back now and relax and absorb what I'm about to pass along to you. I almost said impart. I don't use big words. I, I don't use words like impart when I can say pass along. 
Our topic today is sports-related injuries, something dear to your heart. Let us start with this quote, which I garnered from a newspaper blog. He should have been told after his second concussion that his hockey-playing days were over. What do you think? Should someone quit hockey after only a second concussion? Would not a reasonable person argue that throwing in the towel should be contingent upon the age or occupation of the participant? Every week we hear on the evening news that mild head trauma can result in long-term cognitive impairment. Because cognitive impairment are two big words doctors and lawyers use when they don't want to come right out and say that an athlete is punch drunk or downright bonkers. So, not knowing any more about sport-related injuries than I hear every week on the news, please understand that I can offer no more than this tentative suggestion for regulating sport injuries. Anyone below the age of 12 or high school should be required to quit after only one serious crack to the occipital. Grades 9 through 12 would only permit two splits in any of the cranial bones. In college, which is, of course, the proven grounds for professional heroes, three good ones to the cranium might be tolerated if enough time were allowed between games to permit the bones to fully knit. Cracks in facial bones would count only half as much as similar injuries to cranial bones. You can understand why. Because of the big money involved, a professional athlete could decide for himself when his head had been pounded enough. And one bright and sunny morning, he would let the world know by shooting his wife, lover, children, or anyone else who happened to be handy.
Django here on The Humble Farmer, where with any luck at all, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time, right here on your favorite radio station. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I never thought I would agree with a politician who puts corporate America above working people, but one turned up one morning on what passes for our news broadcast. It is my firm belief that betraying one's wife and children has nothing to do with a man's ability to lead a great army, or turn a profit for a large company, or be a capable governor or president. South Carolina's Mark Sanford agrees with me. Mark Sanford who voted for the Clinton impeachment following the Lewinsky scandal, declaring Clinton's behavior to be reprehensible, said that everyone deserves a second chance. Because when he said everyone, he probably meant any Republican who has paid his $70,000 ethics fine deserves a second chance. A deeply religious man, he adds, it is my personal view that the largest proclamation of one's faith ought to be in how one lives his life. We're not surprised to see that the Libertarian Cato Institute called this hero from South Carolina the best governor in America. Although Mark Sanford's wife divorced him because of his infidelities, he's running for office again and is marrying his mistress. Because many Americans eagerly vote against their own economic interests, Mark Sanford has a chance of being elected again. Stay tuned.
Ghana. Thank you for listening. Here is a letter from radio friend of 35 years, Ed, who writes, Dear Robert, I was awake early this morning and heard your show on WGDR. Good that Chris put you on. Nowadays I listen to radio more for the talk than the music, and I always enjoy your comments. Also, although I'm of a generation that listened to pop, rock, folk, jazz, etc. of the 60s and 70s, your old-fashioned music has grown on me. (laughs) And I very much enjoy it now, largely thanks to the exposure I've gained from your shows. You spoke about not remembering people, as you mentioned when I visited you this summer. (laughs) Myself, I often forget people's names, though not faces. Not that names mean all that much to me, but this can be awkward. Anyway, I wrote a long paper letter to you a couple of months ago, and considering I have corresponded with you many times since uh, 1978 by mail and email, and it has been your practice to answer every time, I was surprised not to hear from you. Not that I have any right to expect it. I went through wondering whether you received the letter, or if you forgot, or if there was some other reason, so I decided to ask about it. Signed, Ed. (laughs) Well, I got to tell Ed that it was a great letter. I got to tell you that it was a great letter. It was a classic piece of historical writing. But stamps cost so much now that I simply cannot answer all my hard copy letters. I do enjoy making this program for you, but... All I get out of it is a lot of friends, and although I wish it were otherwise, warm, fuzzy feelings count for nothing in a grocery store. I'm thehumblefarmer at gmail.com, and of course I'd love to hear from you.
Django. This from a letter in the newspaper. My understanding is that schools are built and maintained to teach our children the skills they will require to earn a living. <laughs> My word. Why don't our schools teach our children how to live? You know, life is not easy for comfortably retired people who have never learned how to live. They've spent all their lives earning money, never had time to read or to learn how to live or to travel. To paraphrase what a friend told me, you get up, you make coffee, and then every single day you wonder what you're going to do.
Hamilton here on the Humble Farmer, where, with any luck at all, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time, right here on your favorite station. I was not surprised that the first ten minutes of one morning's news program was about a singer I had never heard of who took her own life. Ten minutes on national news. As unfortunate as the incident might be, does it typify our media's present role in creating an enlightened American public? Are people subjected to this kind of broadcasting likely to whine about the low scores their children get at school? Django here on The Humble Farmer. Thank you for listening. The question in the newspaper was, 
Should smokers have to pay more for their health insurance than non-smokers? Someone observed, the problem with not letting them charge more for those that cost more is that the rest of us will have to pay that amount. We'd like to read this comment and hear this comment over and over until everybody understands it. We pay more because of them. We're talking here about smokers, overweight people, drinkers, people who run stop signs, bikers without helmets. The, the list of self-destructive habits is endless. This is why those of us who want to keep as much of our social security checks as we can encourage our friends to quit smoking, lose weight, stop drinking, stop at stop signs, wear helmets, on and on. Overweight, libertarian, helmetless bikers who smoke should smile and realize that they still have a lot of freedom in this country and that you and I are paying their way.
I can't trust my machine, who can I trust? I pushed the wrong button there. But we got out of it all right, didn't we? Didn't it come out okay? The other night, make sure I know which button I'm going to push next to you. Okay, push that button there. Should give you what you need. The other night I read in a 2009 psychology book that one out of every four people in this country have some kind of mental illness. Later, I read on an ABC News blog that one in five Americans experienced some sort of mental illness in 2010. Think about it. Do the math. That's a 5% gain in one year. So by 2014, Americans should be in pretty good shape. Sometimes he puts a tag on it. I about fro- Oh, exciting. This is exciting. Sit up and listen to this now. I about froze to death the other night sitting in the garage office watching an internet course that turned up when I googled 
free sociology classes on the internet. I know I googled sociology. But the Yale professor talked about Hobbes and Locke and Nietzsche and Marx and Freud and Milne Adam Smith. And I went to bed and get up the next morning pondering it. You certainly realize that what I watched was an exciting class on an introduction to political and economic systems and not sociology. Yes, that class on social theory turned up when I googled sociology and I was so excited I didn't figure it out until I'd slept on it. Anyway, did you know that you can listen to a Yale professor lecture on social theory on the internet? There must be a lot of other college classes out there that we can watch too. And when we find one we like, we should tell our friends how to find it. This one I found will certainly take the place of my Italian language studies and the mentalist for at least a month. Now, I don't know when I've been so excited to learn about something. Of course, if you've been to my house, you know, you've walked out through the door and you've seen all these books for over 40 years. I've had all the books those fellows wrote. And now this professor promised me that he's going to help me pull all that thinking together with lectures and selected write-ins by these great men. Oh, there's no question, but what every man jack of them made a valuable contribution to our society. There's hardly a one who didn't have to flee to another country or lose his head for simply speaking the truth. Thank you. 
I was ready on that one because I watched how long it was going to be 303 so I was I was ready for Clarence Williams you are of course listening to the humble farmer here on your favorite radio station where with any luck at all you can hear me playing old-fashioned music every week at this time thank you for listening I am the humble farmer at gmail.com and of course I would love to hear from you there are some very clever characters in Maine. They are people who know how to get things done. What would you do if you were annoyed by the amount of valuable clutter your neighbors were accumulating in the weeds and bushes around their homes? Would you complain to the officials in your town? Point fingers? Make your neighbors haul it off? Complain? If you were smart, you wouldn't say a word, because then you'd be considered a nut or a crank or even worse, someone from away. Let me tell you how one man single-handedly cleaned up his entire town. He dragged stuff home from the dump and artistically decorated his yard with old bicycles and bed springs, much as someone in Camden or Kennebunkport would plant Flowers or shrubs, old washing machine here, comfortable sofa over there, few broken chairs and a dozen or so lawnmowers there for parts. Cause it's got weeds and bushes in between. At last, some of his neighbors couldn't stand his mess any longer, and got up a petition which led to an ordinance. The selectman then came to this man's house, and said that they were sorry, but because of a new regulation, everyone had to haul off their junk.
Django. Got time for one or two more here. Thanks for hanging in here with me. Humble farmer here. One of my favorite poems by Oliver Wendell Holmes contains the line, I only ask that fortune send a little more than I shall spend. And it is true, isn't it? You know this. No matter how much we have, it is human nature to want more. I have 14 or so Model T Ford engines. About a week or so ago, someone asked me if I'd like two more, and I couldn't say no. Drive down the road in any main town or village, and you will see row after row of storage sheds where people proudly pile possessions. <laughs> Little alliteration there, like you hear in Beowulf. People proudly pile possessions that they obviously don't need. For years, I coveted my next-door neighbor's old green garage. It sagged on both sides, and I knew that some day soon he'd tear it down and build a new one. Before that happened, I planned to offer him a couple of hundred bucks for it and drag it home behind my tractor. But I went away for a day, and when I came home... <gasps> I discovered he'd burned it down. A couple of hundred? If he'd said to me, Robert, it breaks my heart, but I'll let it go for four. I would have given him as much as four hundred dollars for that great storage building. What he did was tantamount to put in a match to forty ten-dollar bills. Remember, that no matter how wretched something looks to you, one of your neighbors probably wants it. You want to keep this in mind if your wife suddenly takes an interest in bowling three times a week.
Thank you for listening to The Humble Farmer with Annie Look at All. I'll be back next week right here on your favorite station playing old-fashioned music just for you. If you are big enough, if you are powerful enough, you can get away with doing and saying anything. Perhaps you saw the Martha Stewart television show that she called Five Meals from One Bag. If I were to even suggest that Martha Stewart produce such a program, I would be shut off the air. <laughs>